If you or a loved one has been diagnosed with an acute obsession of true crime, caught discussing tragic events with unwilling participants, or kept awake at night by the paranormal or just plain absurd, you've found the right place. All others, beware of catching this dangerous bug as we begin to talk about the facts. Hello, fact friends. Welcome to yet another episode of Let's Talk About the Facts. Today, we are talking about one of the scariest places a friend of mine said she was terrified of. Well, <laughs> obviously we had to. But also, this brings up an incredible opportunity to talk about an epidemic that is a disgusting part of our culture for a frighteningly long time. Have you ever heard of the term school-to-jail pipeline? What about reincarceration rates? That's a long word. Or something like recidivism? Lots of technical terms, and this might be a bit of a technical podcast. I don't know if you've heard about our title, but it's called Let's Talk About the Facts. So buckle in, fact friends. This story is going to hit and hit hard. But also, I'm bringing in... That swing, starting with modern day issues, and then going backward to our story. Today with me is one of my very good friends and an absolute delight, the one, the only, Rachel Hip Flores. Hello! How the hell are you doing? I am doing okay. How the hell are you? Um, I am likewise sort of like okay with that moment of pause before that happens where it's like i'm i'm okay that's where we're at exactly and this is our last episode before the election so oh my god yeah this hurts this hurts it hurts so much i can't i know i know that I know that on, uh, you know, uh, on that, on the Wednesday following, nothing will be substantially different. It's not all going to go away in the blink of an eye, but I can't help hoping that it might just feel a little better. Yeah, like an emotional constipation, and you can finally take that emotional shit you've been holding on to <laughs> oh for four god, years. Oh my god, there is such a backlog of emotional shit emotional excrement that like needs to get the fuck out of my spiritual body and i just i'm really looking forward to taking that shit fury i really am i feel that but speaking of can you tell the podcast listeners a little bit just a little bit about yourself besides the fact that you and me both are emotionally constipated (laughs) um so I hate this question, and I should have been prepared. Um, You're a person. I, I am a person. I am a person. I am an actor. There are various places uh, that you can see me. If you want to, you can look up my thing. But the thing that like, I really want people to know about right now is that um, in honor of spooky season, I am drinking a dark and stormy cocktail Woo-hoo! right now. Oh, yummy. Um, so if you hear ice clinking in my glass it's exactly what you think it is and um and i like to argue i don't know if that's going to come up in this uh (laughs) in this thing but i will argue things i don't believe in at all just for the sake of arguing 
Yep. So we'll see how that goes in the next uh, hour and a half or so. And, um, yeah, and I would say that uh, emotional constipation is sort of like my specialty for the last, I would say, four years. But really, it's probably, you know, just a lifetime thing. I love arguing, too. I know! I was in Model UN, Mm. and honestly, I didn't know shit about my country, and somehow I won Rapporteur. Dude. (laughs) Like, I just made it up. (laughs) It did help that no one knew the country's politics either, and so I was like, fantastic, we're gonna- Great, we're just gonna fictionalize this whole thing. It was- I was representing Djibouti. It's- is that a real place? It's a real country. Because it sounds like a punchline. Nope. Okay. Djibouti is a real place. The first time I went to Model UN, I represented Cameroon, but I was too tired to like try. And then mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. second time I went, I was representing Djibouti, and this one girl pissed me off. And have you ever just been so irritated about something? You're like, all right, I'm going to try. Yeah. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then you're like, oh, man, I tried real hard. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> if you realize, like, at the finish line, you're like, yikes, I got to do more work now. Oh, no. <laughs> Having to do more work is the worst. <laughs> Where I was like, I was only doing this to not go to school on a Friday. Oh, that's a totally valid reason to do anything, though. And I don't feel like anyone should be ashamed of that. I also got a gavel. I gavel. I wish I were better at like, I wish I were better at trying. Like, I I do kind of feel like, you know, where it's like, you have those fantasies of like, I'm just gonna bring everything and all of my intelligence is gonna show them just totally shut them down. And then you're like, Oh my god, I sound like a fucking 11 year old who did not read the book. Oh, oh, it's bad. Yeah. So it's but you know what? You got you like, I'm just saying you like you became a more aware person out of it. So like, I would say that all that shit is net good. Or I didn't. I sounded like an 11-year-old and everybody else was pissed off that girl, in, too. Like, in all fairness, you were probably not that far off from 11 at the time. So, like, oh, I feel like you have I? an excuse. You're right. I think I was, like, 16. Yeah, that doesn't fucking count. <laughs> Anything before, like, 24, you get a pass on. Oh, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> but I still have my cool gavel out of it. So that's all that matters. Oh, dude, win. I know. I should use it at, like, you know, f- I'd say family arguments, but it's just arguments at, like, game night at my house. <laughs> that totally counts as an argument. I would say that some of the fiercest arguments and fights come out of game it's night. It's so true. It's so true. <laughs> we'll bring it and just be like, excuse me, I'm speaking. <laughs> Does it make a squeaky sound? Please no, make it. It's a Damn real it. all wood gavel. Oh, it's gavel. a legit gavel. Oh, I was hoping it was an inflatable cartoon one. Oh, man. If I had one of those, it would be over. It's over. I'd be chasing the dog around with it, like. <laughs> but speaking of speaking, yes, I am still the host here, Elizabeth I'm Fury. Sorry. Yes. No. <laughs> what are you sorry for? Just my, my, whole my name. <laughs> just my name and my presence. I'm just sorry. Never be sorry. I wanted you here for a reason. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> but I am still the host, Elizabeth Fury. Still the host without the most. I have some. But I probably, <laughs> I probably could use some more practice here, there, possibly everywhere. But today, everyone, this is our spooky season finale. Not the season one finale. This is not the Bachelorette's final rose, okay? 
because we haven't even done Christmas crimes yet. Oh my god! Sorry. Which, personally, very excited for that change. There's so much shit that happens around Christmas. God. And, like, one of those Christmas crimes might have been getting Debbie the Malibu Barbie when we clearly know she was a ballerina. Graceful. Delicate. <laughs> but we digress. <laughs> I can't. I'm watching. I'm, I'm marathoning those movies, like, pr- within the next week. I fucking love them. I'm being my car what? after her. My, um, first of all, fantastic. Secondly, uh, a... The guy who wrote Adam's Family Values, Paul Rudnick, uh, is a graduate of my high school. Oh my many, god! Many years before me, but I was like, "Oh, it's possible." It was—he's terrific, and I think he gets it. First off, shout out to Paul Rudnick for making possibly my favorite childhood film. Fuck yes! And shout out to Joan Cusack for being <sighs> an absolute bombshell National in that film. Treasure, national god. treasure, Joan Cusack. Amazing. I want more Joan Cusack hot rolls. Like, yes. Yes. I mean, next question. She's also making incredible films as we speak, probably, but she was just oh, gorgeous. Perfect. Okay, but I gotta warn everyone now. Hold on to your tater tots. Hold them tight, because this one's gonna be a wee bit rough. It's a bit much. And if you're sensitive, keep on listening, because this is real life and what happened to real people. And continues to happen to real people today. And I don't think we can declare sensitivity as a reason to not care about our fellow humans, nor learn about the conditions that they are subjected to. Again, I digress. So, anyway, my dearest Rachel and all of those who are listening, this is Eastern State Penitentiary and Criminal Justice Reform. Yeah, bitch, we're going to prison. Let's do it. So, Eastern State Penitentiary, or ESP as it can be referred to, please don't forget that it is the place, not extrasensory perception, and certainly not ESPN reporting on sport ball. Oh, man. Okay. Sport ball. Sport ball. I don't know what the score is, but sport ball. Hard pass. Hard pass. <laughs> the Eastern State Penitentiary is... Thankfully, a former American prison in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, operational from 1829 to 1971. The penitentiary initially refined the system of separate incarceration first pioneered at the Walnut Street Jail, which emphasized the principles of reform rather than punishment. So you can you can be okay with that. Like so rather yeah. than just punishing people, they wanted them to be better people in society. What that a great sounds like an uh, yeah, ideal. honorable goal. Yeah. It's an ideal. Did we get Did it there? not work out that way? Let's find out. <laughs> really? So the prison is currently a US history national oops, I messed that up. US National Historic Landmark. What a choice. Which is open to the public as a museum for tours seven days a week, 12 months a year, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., except during a national pandemic. This seems a a bit irreverent considering it's Yikes.com history. But you know us Americans, we don't know how to treat anything historical. But I'm tish. (laughs) Okay, so as always, I'm going to give you the context of 1829. Because what a year. 
Or was That's it? That's a fuck ton of context. <laughs> I know, right? Let's find out together and learn okay. something for our next collective shot at Weakest Link. Praise Jane Lynch. And yes, I'm still in love with the show. So 1829 saw the inauguration of one of our worst presidents we've ever seen. And we still have to see him so very often. Bloody, bloody Andrew Jackson. Oh my God, yeah! Yes! (laughs) His face is stamped on the $20 bill. That motherfucker. Yeah, we did not get the glorious face of Harriet Tubman to replace him. Wasn't that supposed to have happened, like, 20 fucking years ago or something? It was supposed to happen back in Obama's time, I think. But you know that would have caused him to turn in his grave or honestly, like, rise out of it. Either way, (laughs) well worth it. But who is that man, you ask? Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson. I do ask. (laughs) (laughs) He was the seventh president and a boil on the butt of humanity. Dolly Parton. Still (laughs) Magnolias. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So some of you are asking, what for? He's an American president. He couldn't have done things bad. Haven't you heard of Donald Trump? Oh, yes, I fucking have. But guess what? This guy was kind of worse. Because uh, Americans aren't really taught their history, you know? So I'm going to no. have you look up two things that'll just, you know, knock this guy out of the ballpark for you. The Trail of Tears mm-hmm. and the Dred Scott decision. That'll cover a whole mess of his horrible antics. But there's so much more. There's so many things that could cover an entire episode of what a disgusting, loathsome toad this piece of shit was. But moving on, I've given him too much space already. I'm just saying episode three, the wrongful death of Andre Jones. Don't forget Charles Dickens challenged him to a duel in one. Okay, moving on. (laughs) So uh, I'm hoping I'm saying this correctly. I do not know how to say this name in Spanish, but I try. Uh, Vincente Guerrero became the president of Mexico, having earlier fought for Mexico's independence from Spain. Cool little tidbit there. Hope he wasn't a bad president because I didn't look too deep into that one. Um, Greece received autonomy from the Ottoman Empire, concluding the end of the Greek War for Independence. And 181 and 191 years later, the films Mamma Mia and Mamma Mia Here We Go Again would change my personal life. And they were set in Greece. Oh. oh, God, I love those movies so much. I got nothing. I haven't seen them, but I'm what? happy that that has happened. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I know, I know. Well, look, after the Adams Family Marathon, we'll talk. Yeah, because it's Mayo Street. And honestly, it's Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, not <laughs> Mamma Mia, Here We Go Just Once. <laughs> okay. Okay. The patent for the accordion was approved, but also as was the typewriter. Amazing. Holy shit. And then other things happened, but I didn't care enough to write them down. So, Legit. yeah, I completely Legit. just That's choose. Fine. So, let's talk about modern prisons today. Because, yes, we're going to talk about the Eastern State Penitentiary, but where are we today? Before we can talk about that other place, we have to discuss this epidemic and incarceration rates now because the Black Lives Matter movement has brought so much of this to the national conversation, but it's been there for a while 
but it's been mm-hmm. kept at a place where people are just like comfortable. I like to think of it as a beanbag. So like if one person sits on the conversation, you can't see it. And so like not a lot of people can join in on the conversation they can't see. Yeah. So get off the beanbag chair and then like maybe put up posters instead. Right? But yeah. nobody should be comfortable with what's going on today. So as this is our last episode before the 2020 election, and if there's any higher power up there, please help us. And I wanted to hit a conversation that I am like personally passionate about that goes along with, and it goes along with the story. But if this is the first time you are learning about it, welcome. Make sure that as you are filling out your election ballot, Keep in mind what your local offices truly believe, because if things are fucked up where you live, guess who's fucking them up? That's legit. It's time to make a change. Look at their records. Look at their voting records. Look at their voting habits. Some people have already done this legwork for you, and there are resources to help you out. So, we are going to take a journey through the NAACP website because they are an excellent resource for information regarding the statistics and reality of what's truly going on in the criminal justice system if it could be called that at this point so these are going to be some direct quotes all right 84 percent of black american adults say that white people are treated better than black people by police i believe this is like the 2018 statistics because 2020 is a nightmare. (laughs) Um, I'm surprised that number is that low. So 63% of white Americans um, agree based on a 2019 research on police relations. So not only do 84% of black Americans think that white people are treated better, better, um, 63% of white Americans agree with that statement. Yep. 87% of black Americans say the U.S. criminal justice system is more unjust towards black Americans. And 61% of white Americans also agree. Still a majority. And yet here we are. It's staggering, right? It's fucking bananas. So despite the fact that more white people have been killed by the police in sheer numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Black and Hispanic Americans are disproportionately impacted. A lot of people will be like, well, more white people have been killed. But that's not, that's not what they're trying to say here. While white people make up a little, a little over 60% of the population, they only make up about 41% of fatal police shootings and look we're talking about fatalities black americans make up 13.4 percent of the population but 22 percent of fatal police shootings and this does not take into consideration other forms of police brutality Mm -hmm. including non-lethal shootings so when we say it disproportionately impacts it does because yeah a white person is less likely to be fatally shot they're less likely to face that kind of a gun in their face essentially mm-hmm. 
And they're less likely to be put in the position where they're having a police officer challenging their life. Yeah. Uh, Fatal police violence is the sixth leading cause for death of men ages 25 to 29 across all racial groups. Oh, my God. The lifetime risk of dying from police violence is at its highest from ages 20 to 35. And this applies to men and women of all races. On average, black Americans are exposed to four police killings of other unarmed black Americans in the same state each year. So here's another harsh truth. One out of every three black young men born today can expect to be sentenced to prison compared to one out of six Latino boys and one out of 17 white boys. So why are we comfortable with this? Uh, when did this become okay? So perhaps we're doing something absolutely fucking wrong to allow not only such inequity in our judicial system, but there's no justice happening at all. You can't I have agree. a like have a functioning success la la society mm-hmm. if you were dooming children out of the womb to go to prison. What this is telling me is that prison is profit. Yeah. Some people would say, but they're criminals, right? They've done something wrong, allegedly. But why Mm -hmm. do you think the Innocence Project was created? How many people were exonerated once DNA evidence was introduced? You've heard of the Mm -hmm. Equal Justice Initiative. Excellent films and miniseries to view would be Just Mercy, When They See Us, the documentary Par- Paradise Lost, it's in three parts, and 13th, available, I think it's on Netflix, right? At um, least some of those are on Netflix, yeah. All of these are excellent tear-jerking productions that show how law enforcement, prejudice, and hatred can pin something on innocent people easily and take away decades of their lives. And that's not something money can pay back no man that's like formative year shit like that's your young adulthood you know right and especially in the regards of when they see us which is based on the central park five and paradise lost based on the west memphis three they are young teenage boys Mm -hmm. who lost the majority of their lives Mm -hmm. due to false accusations people who wanted them to be to be criminals, yeah. but they weren't. They were just innocent kids who weren't even there. I want to say it's a fucking nightmare because it is, but also that's that sort of invalidates the actual lived experience of it actually happening to actual people. <laughs> like, it's exactly. not a nightmare. It's a real thing that fucking happened. Exactly. And it's Ugh. happening more than people realize. Yeah. Additionally, when someone is indeed incarcerated... Many will be released back into society. Would we not want someone who is not only functional, but can resume life in a society as a better person, especially if their crime was minor, such as petty theft or maybe marijuana, which is legal. So like in so many places, which is fucking legal. (sighs) I know. 
We glorify yep. things like Les Miserables, but we look at people who steal what they need as disgusting and foul. So let's talk reality right now. We'll head back to the NAACP. The prison industrial complex is a set of interest groups and institutions. Private prisons business model is contingent upon incarcerating more and more people. Hundreds of corporations benefit from penal labor, including some of our largest major corporations. 7% of state prisoners and 18% of federal prisoners are employed by for-profit companies. Fuck. Wages are equivalent to less than $1 per hour in most penal labor programs, with up to 12-hour workdays. The pay scale for federal prisons is $0.12 to $0.40 per hour. In Texas, inmates are not paid for labor. The Texas penal labor system, managed by Texas Correctional Industries, is valued at $88.9 million in 2014. The estimated annual value of prison and jail industrial output is $2 billion. Jesus fucking Christ. So what you slavery. Yeah. This is just fucking slavery. What you've just learned about is our legal form of slavery. 12 cents an hour is criminal. And we haven't discussed abuse by guards, price to contact families, price for basic living supplies, especially for women. Mm. Pads and tampons aren't free. Medication isn't free. There's nothing free for them. So I love how they'll be like, oh, they get cable. They get three meals. Yeah, they don't have any money. They don't have tampons, for fuck's sake. Yeah. What? Yeah. So 35% of the individuals executed under the death penalty within the last 40 years have been black. Black Americans represent only 13% of the general population. African Americans are pursued, convicted, and sent to death at a disproportional high, disproportionately higher rate than any other race. In the early 2000s, the percentage of Black Americans on death row were as follows for the states below. And buckle up, this one hurts. Oh my god, okay. Maryland, 72%. Pennsylvania, 63%. Illinois, 63%. Alabama, 46%. Texas, 41%. Virginia, 39%. Florida, 36%. And this one hurts because we both live in California, 36%. Of juveniles sentenced to death... Are people of color. Two-thirds of the crimes committed involved white victims. You can sentence a juvenile to death? Sure can. Are you fucking kidding me? Yep. Well, no. 82% of people on death row were convicted of cases that involved white victims. So now, I I know, I know, you're waiting for me to get on to the spooky story of the haunted jail. When's the really scary stuff gonna happen? (laughs) When's the really disturbing shit gonna come up? Come on, Fury. (laughs) Ooh, we're not even, we're not even done yet. 
because you were <laughs> you were horrified about the uh, the juveniles. So I'm going to talk about I... them. Oh my god, we're not there yet, though, about that haunted jail. <laughs> Let's talk about the ACLU. We love them, the American Civil Liberties Union. Everyone has benefited from their work and their fights for, you guessed it, our civil liberties. Here is what they have to say about the school-to-prison pipeline. The ACLU is committed to challenging the school-to-prison pipeline, a disturbing national trend wherein children are funneled out of the public schools and into the juvenile and criminal justice systems. Many of these children have learning disabilities or histories of poverty, abuse, or neglect and would benefit from additional educational and counseling services. Instead, they are isolated, punished, and pushed out. Zero-tolerance policies criminalize minor infractions of school rules while cops in schools lead to students being criminalized for behaviors that should be handled inside of the school. Students of color are especially vulnerable to push-out trends and the discriminatory application of discipline. Now to explain the push-out trend and to make the, take the pressure off of parents who are working two to four jobs just to make ends meet. Because we are in a trend of being able, unable to make ends meet even before COVID-19 hit us like a yeah. wrecking ball. Allow me to show you how public school systems were failing us before and never forget Betsy DeVos's famous policy of mm. fuck them kids. Mm-hmm. I believe that those that was actually her words. Oh, she's definitely said it. Yeah. For most students, the pipeline begins with the inadequate resources in public schools, overcrowded classrooms, a lack of qualified teachers, and insufficient funding for extras, such as counselors, special education resources, and even textbooks, lock students into second-rate educational environments. This failure to meet educational needs increases disengagement and dropouts, increasing the risk of later court involvement. Even worse, schools may actually encourage dropouts in response to pressures from test-based accountability regimes, such as the No Child Left Behind Act, which creates incentives to push out low-performing students to boost overall test scores. Well, this goes in hand in hand, doesn't it? Sounds eerily similar to some of those coming-of-age films you've seen. And I roasted No Child Left Behind a few episodes ago because it's the Every Child Strangled Act. And, you huh. know, I'm no politician. I'm just a former child who went through an educational <laughs> system and studied the problem on my own. There are so many examples, such as school-based arrests, deep involvement of the police policing hallways instead of teachers and administration, and all of this information can be found on the ACLU's website. I highly encourage that you read more about it, as it is still relevant, even post-COVID, in understanding where we are and why we are in this place today. Why are we, why we have the recidivism rate we have today? as there is no hope for someone after they've been put in a place where there is no hope for a future. But is this new? Is this something that started, say, the 1950s? Or is this a systemic problem that has been with us since the birth of our country? What do you think? 
Uh, shot in the dark here. I'm guessing it goes back a couple of hundred years. Oh man, if you guess the latter, ding, ding, ding! I you mean, are correct. it was just, just a shot in the dark. I wasn't sure, but I'm glad that I landed on that. Oh yeah, we're going to jump into the story now, because we're going to talk about the Eastern State Penitentiary. Let's just hang on. I like need a minute to fucking process all of that. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, let's take a moment. Let's decompress let's we just took in so much information fuck yeah that's today that's that's right now that's right the fuck now and you're about to be really upset when you hear how much different it's not Uh, oh okay People don't care about inmates, even though they're supposed to go in there and better themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Theoretically, it's about reform and it ends up being about, as you said, profit. Profit. All right. Well, I'm going to take another drink and you finish your sentence. You take that drink. Uh You just listened to it for the first time. And I can't believe I hardly stuttered. Um, However... Don't look at it as the downside. I mean, this is an opportunity, especially with this election year. We can truly elect people who want to enact change, and private prisons are starting to be outlawed. Oh, thank God. All right. What an issue. It's a good fucking start. Is it ACLU.org? Yeah, I believe so. Is where we can all go to learn some more about this? I'm pretty sure if you just typed an ACLU into Google. I mean, it's probably Google's probably going to come up with something, but you know. Yeah, I think it's .org. I'm pretty sure, because there's like right. a whole bunch of lawyers and stuff. There's also several shows that you can watch um, regarding policing in America. And the funny thing I find is that there are many procedural television shows that show how bad... It is in the, like, criminal, like, in prison. Oh, yeah. Like, they Well, Orange is the New Black. No, that actually, I don't think even begins to cover the surface of how truly horrible it can be, especially in male prisons. But I feel like we all already know, but we just don't know to the extent, especially regarding children. But because... Oops, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. first. Too late. I was just, I, I feel like it is, the numbers are overwhelming and, like, obviously extremely fucking disturbing. And it's, this is going to be, like, a whatever, <laughs> this is going to sound like so much fucking hippie woo-woo bullshit, but whatever. Like, those numbers are hard to live with. And this um, immediate visceral reaction it's hard to live in this and to keep this level of like anger and frustration up all the time. Like it's hard <laughs> yeah. and like not whatever. It's not as hard as actually fucking living it, but it's jarring to the soul. I feel mm-hmm. like when there are stories on television, when, you know, when there are, um, when there is a way to experience this anger and frustration and rage and passion, when it is, when you can sort of fictionalize it, it's mm-hmm. a lot easier to like have that seep into your soul in a in a meaningful and sustainable way. Does that make sense? I think it's so. also probably remarkably offensive, but it's I, I feel like 
the more the truer our fictional stories can be, mm-hmm. the, the more impact they can have in terms of actual change. And I don't know that I have seen a show. Uh, I don't know that I've seen a television show that has embodied that yet. Maybe I just haven't watched the right one. I feel like for myself, the final episode of When They See Us, when it was Corey Wise's Mm -hmm. story Mm -hmm. and how he survived what he went through. And honestly, Mm -hmm. I can't remember his name off the top of my head and I apologize, but the actor who played Corey Wise, he's going places, he's doing things. That actor is exceptional. But that final episode, I was just sobbing because... It was written so beautifully, Mm. but it was also so horrific. And that really did embody the problem, in my opinion, because if you don't know the full story of the Central Park Five, he was tried as an adult due to his age. And um, the other four were tried as juveniles. And so you have basically a child in an adult prison. Right. For however long and how he coped with it and how he was able to survive. And it was so. You feel the deep unfairness. And of course, like, mm-hmm. I will never know what that's like for Corey Wise. Right. right? Uh, right. I am not black and I am not a male. And. Right. But I do think that. Ava DuVernay and her team giving the Central Park Five the voice to show it from their perspective is so important to talk about criminal justice reform because they were not only blindsided, but how easy it was for them to get blindsided and how adults take advantage of children. Right how they weren't protected, how this was so easy to do. And mm-hmm. I I call it the them, not us mentality. Perhaps that's yeah. a real term. I'm not certain if it is. But in my episode regarding urban legends, we talked about the myth of candy being tampered with starting around mm-hmm. the time of um, cultural integration and civil liberty and civil rights and when segregation came to an end and it's the us versus them. And Hmm. I feel like this is just a constant continuation of that. And it's deep rooted racism in this country where they will find the one person that nobody would think would do that crime. Right. But I think a lot of these coming generations, not boomers, perhaps Gen Xers, but I couldn't say, are pulling away from that mentality, I believe. I hope so. I I do too. I mean, I who's to say? Only history can tell. Like, I love how they're trying to guess at historical trends now, and I'm like, too early. It's a little too early, honey. Yeah. Um, but I hope that people of our generation and the ones to come are the ones to pull away and change change the doctrine because I hate it. Everyone I know my age and younger and even older, they hate it. They don't see the point. I don't see the point. It's awful. 
I would rather have 10 guilty men alive than one innocent man yeah be put to death yeah. that's my that's my stance on it um it's not worth it Legit. so yeah. anyway now that we went down that rabbit hole sorry <laughs> <laughs> no i'm actually glad that you stopped to process because sometimes i've done this research so much that i think i get desensitized from having read and read and read and read and synthesized and i'm like let's keep going and yeah it's it's a lot i mean it's a lot (laughs) yeah what what else can i say it's a it's a lot i think um i believe adam conover does two episodes of adam ruins everything sorry i just hiccuped (laughs) um (laughs) He does one on the court system and one on being in jail. And of course, it's fun and bright and happy, but he also cites his sources Mm -hmm. about what it's like to actually be in jail, what the common thought is, and then what the actuality is. I remember watching those and they were actually quite enjoyable. They are available on HBO Max at the time of this recording. Um, I think some are available on Netflix as well, but I'm not certain if those are... So don't quote me. It's already out in the press. Yeah. (laughs) I appreciate that show sometimes. And I enjoy Adam Conover's presentation because it's very digestible. So, okay. I haven't checked it out. I, it's, it, it pops up for me often. I'm like, I wonder what that is. And then I move right back on to something else. So super cool. Good to know that that's all right. Well, it's cute. Cause like he, he makes himself into a character and then, like, there's other characters, but basically he, like, for example, he, they have a shopping mall episode. By the way, no one's paying me to, like, promote this show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just promoting a the good... good people at Crest will let you know what's this is. <laughs> um. <laughs> but, uh, like, he'll be like, shopping malls are bad for this and this reason. And they're actually not, like, outlets aren't really good deals. They have their own thing that's its own entity, etc. He truly mm-hmm. does ruin everything. He does, but also Not it's right. like, it's like you can still go to a mall and enjoy it, but now you know the truth. Yeah. All right. I'll take the truth. Yeah. I enjoy it. And I like that he cites his sources, which I forget to do a lot. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. All right. So back to Eastern State Penitentiary. Are you ready? <laughs> Let's do it. So, in case you've forgotten. Because we just had that long conversation about modern yes. prison injustice. <laughs> Go on. The ESP opened on October 25th, 1829. It is in Pennsylvania. Holy shit, that is today's recording date. Oh my god, it is. Did I ruin something? No, I'm just thinking, okay. am I going to get haunted for this? You might. Well, I don't know much about Pennsylvania. I heard it's woodsy, never been there. It's kind of a flyover for me, so, like, whatever. Um, Cool cities and some woods and some Amish people. That's what I know. I feel like all of Pennsylvania is just going to come at me with sticks now. That sounds right. Okay, cool. I mean, I got Tennessee and Arkansas in my belt in California. I mean... So, what are are you going to do? It sounds like you can handle yourself against at least a couple of states. Yeah. Bring it, Pennsylvania. I'll hit you with a banjo. <laughs> this prison okay. was originally designed for solitude, discipline, and to be a 
humane prison. I put that word in quotes because uh, you'll oh, see. Man. Okay. Yeah. So sneak peek for all of you is that the uh, solitary confinement is listed as a cruel and unusual punishment. But we'll talk about that later. Its focus was to reform prisoners, thus making them penitent. Hence the word penitentiary. What? What? Did you know that? Because I didn't. I'm not sure if I ever knew that. It feels like a thing that I, like, might have thought of at one point, but then immediately forgot. So, fuck yeah. I was like, I'd be impressed because I had no idea prior to this research, even though I love words. I grew up Catholic, so penance and, like, penitent, it's just all sort of, like, deeply and disturbingly ingrained in me. So I feel like that was just a word to be around often. This is the episode for you because I grew up around the Baptists. Oh. So... Yeah, I know. All right. It explains a lot, right? Yeah, Yeah. here we are. (laughs) So the prisoner, or the prisoner, my bad. The prison (laughs) was originally designed to hold about 250 prisoners. But as it was going, they were like, hey, let's construct some more cells. And they ended up with a total of 450. So let's talk about these cells. And again, in quotes. Because that's what they were originally, like intended to do each prisoner had their own cell and there was no interaction with any other inmate and extremely limited contact with guards and other personnel they had their own private outdoor area for exercise again without interaction and they were allowed outside for one hour a day and were led through With a hood over their head. Oh my god. To prevent communication with any other prisoner or knowledge of the prison's layout. I bet they took them like the long way every time. Oh my fucking god. They worked and ate in their cells and they had no contact with their families, no letters, and no newspapers. Silence was enforced by the guards and they gave wildly cruel and unusual punishments. It sounded like a sporting event. These guards should have been in the prison as prisoners. Oh, so there were reports. Okay, you're just going to have to hold on to your Taylor Tots like real hard right now. This is probably where the hauntings come from. There Mm -hmm. were reports of guards submerging an inmate into water during the winter, then hanging them on a wall so ice would like crystallize on their skin. And then there was what was called the mad chair, where an inmate would be bound so tightly that their circulation would be cut off and they could be left there for days at a time. Inmates were often permanently injured or would require amputation. And finally, there was the iron gag. It went around your head and had a small piece in your mouth holding your tongue and your wrists would be tied to it behind your head. And if you moved... It would rip at your mouth and tongue. So there is a report on the death ledger of the penitentiary uh, of an inmate who did die from it. And I hope the inmate haunts the fuck out of that place. That's fucking medieval. Exactly. That's some medieval shit. Why are these guards not in the prison? Oh my God. People are fucking awful to each other. 
But remember, if you had the argument before, these were bad people, they deserved this, and they deserved this kind of treatment, even though we don't know what their crimes were, because it could have been as small as petty theft, steal a loaf of bread to feed a child, up to being a family annihilator, we don't know. But we are subjecting human beings to this kind of torture. So it really didn't matter. In reality, these guards, are they better than the inmates? No. Better yet, if these inmates are to be released back into society because they are to be penitent, imagine what their brains are going to be like afterward. Da, 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 da. So, here's where we get to note about the solitary confinement. And this is from a recent Vox with a V, like vulture. V, 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 Vox. Not the other place that we don't talk about. A Vox article by Stephanie Wickstra in 2019, which is recent because quarantine ruined everything. Mm-hmm. She writes, thousands of people, at least 61,000, on any given day, and likely many thousands more, are in solitary confinement across the country, spending 23 days per day in cells not much bigger than elevators. They are disproportionately young men and disproportionately Hispanic and African American. The majority spend a few months in it, but at least a couple of thousand people have been in solitary confinement for six years or more. Some have been held For decades, solitary confinement causes extreme suffering, particularly particularly over prolonged periods of months or years. Effects include anxiety, panic, rage, paranoia, hallucinations, and in some cases, suicide. The United Nations Special Rapporteur on Torture, Juan E. Mendez, deemed that prolonged solitary confinement is a form of torture and the UN's Mandela rules dictate that it should never be used with youth and those with mental or physical disability or illness or for anyone for more than 15 days. Mendez, who has inspected prisons in many countries, wrote, It is safe to say that the United States uses solitary confinement more extensively than any other country for longer periods and with fewer guarantees. Many practices in the U.S. justice system are harsh, ineffective, even absurd, from the widespread use of money bail to detain unconvicted people to extremely long sentences and parole terms and a host of other outrages. But placing people in solitary stands out as a violation of human rights. That's today. Oh my God. That article was published last year. But this is the 1800s and we didn't know that, right? God. But also in modern day, we know that and we do it anyway. We still fucking do it. A lot. 69,000 people a day. That's fucking horrible. Disproportionately Hispanic and Black Americans. I'm going to go punch a judge. Just kidding, I can't. I don't know any. (laughs) I can't even fucking make a joke. I know, it's like there's no joke there. There's there's just no fucking joke to be made. I wrote yikes on my paper. But anyway... 
the 1800s, we're in the era where we decided that God had more hands in many things, many hands, and it was him who would render this inmate penitent. Oh, my fucking God. Okay. However, by 1866, the solitary was phased out, but not quite for the reason that you think it was. Because well, okay. <laughs> by 1926, those 450 cells had almost 1,700 inmates in them. Okay. Oh, yeah, that means two to three inmates per cell. It's like college all over again. Oh, my God. With less room and more men. Yeah. Okay, so a man named John Haviland was the architect of the penitentiary. He gave it high-vaulted ceilings, much like a church. The cells had a single window or skylight, the window of God or the eye of God, to encourage penitents (laughs) and thinking on their crimes. There was a special type of sewage system that prevented inmates from passing notes through the potties. Gross. Uh, also, wow. I know, right? Like, guys, you are trying too hard here. I mean, wow. Okay. Jesus, just give me, like, a Sudoku book. Or just fucking Morse code that shit. Wow. I mean, resourceful, but Jesus. I mean, it's, there's no good way to look at this. But there was a radiant heating system where pipes would send hot water through the walls and heat the cells in the winter. So that's a plus. Okay, buckle up for this one because it's crazy. The Eastern State Penitentiary had cost nearly seventy-eight or $780,000, one of the most expensive building buildings of its day in the United States. So $780,000 in 1829 is, are you ready? Go for it. $21,829,935.48 in 2020 monies. Like, what the doodles, am I right? The first female prisoner was received in 1831. And that's, like, just a line in this history. But there is a badass lady I'll talk about later. But, yeah. I don't think it takes, like, a genius to think what could have happened to female prisoners in this fucking place. I mean, no. And, yeah, that's especially, like, back in the day where it was so much... I don't, that was so much more frowned upon than it is. Exactly. Like, what the but fuck? But I'm thinking because... Wait, when did they phase out? I lost that paper. I thought I would remember the year and I, I didn't. What the doodles. You know what? I don't remember, but I think... I'll... You know what? I'll just sure. start naming years. 1871. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, uh, cool. I think it's like... by Oh, it's by the 1900s. So they were still <laughs> solitary by then. So I'm thinking because... They're like, oh, she's in solitary confinement. No one will mess with her. But I'm like, that's right. the opportune time for her to be messed with, you fucking morons. Oh my. Yep. Because there's no fucking oversight. Uh, but 1834 would mark the first of several investigations into the penitentiary's punishments, deviations from the confinement systems, and finances. You know those finances. Raise your hands if raise your hand if you've paid more taxes than Trump. Oh, hey there! Woo! What's up? Anyway, in 1842, this is possibly my favorite part. 1842, Charles Dickens. Remember how I told you he dueled Andrew Jackson? Oh, I've heard of that guy. 
Yeah. He would visit the United States to see Niagara Falls and the Eastern State Penitentiary. What? Yeah, what the shit? Like What the shit? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> what? I had no idea he even came to the US. Okay. And like I said, I knew he beat Andrew Jackson in a duel. Very important thing. Everyone know that, please. Um, it's like my favorite. It's my favorite fact. I don't know why, but I love it. Charles Dickens, a hero. (laughs) Watch Charles. No, he is. He is also psychotic because like he put his wife in a madhouse so he could marry this like underage woman. I mean, no one's a winner, but anyone who beat the shit out of Andrew Jackson. No, you gotta, you gotta find, (sighs) find your comfort where you can. I mean, fuck Andrew Jackson. Jackson. Eat shit, burn in hell. Yeah. I even renamed Jackson, Mississippi to Janet Jackson, Mississippi. Oh. She deserves it. And that's so much better. She does. I wonder what would happen if I sent a letter there and then wrote Janet Jackson, Mississippi. If they would just send it or if they would be like, what? I mean, I kind of feel like you, as long as you got the zip code right, you can call it whatever Mm -hmm. you want. You're so right. So, what Dickens would later write about ESP, and this is Charles Dickens. Okay. This is like someone uh, acquainted with, uh, or at least wrote about a lot of like. He know, lived in London. Street Here's... things. I mean, he wrote a book called Bleak House for Christ's yeah. sake. So, like, you know, there's some familiarity at least. So he wrote. The system is rigid, strict, and hopeless, solitary confinement, and I believe in its effects to be cruel and wrong. What? What the dickens, if you will? Ah, uh, I think I will. <laughs> I did have that Perfect. down. I- <laughs> no more explanations. I'm so proud of you as it is. <laughs> so let's move on to 1858, a mere 16 years later. This part also just boggles me. Over 10,000 tourists visit ESP, the most in a single year. What the fuck are they touring? So this is a working prison that is getting tourists. What are they touring? Do you think that they would just go like... Go down the rows of cells like <laughs> Silence of the Lamb style. And I feel like, like just have that experience. I feel like this proves that rubbernecking is not only not uncommon, but natural. Like all of these people yeah. are knuck and futs, okay? I'm saying it. Yeah. There's no, no sense that's real. of that's empathy. Super real. But also like I love how nosy they are. Yo, I feel like this is also a time where, like, freak shows were common, and, like, you would just fucking stare at people who were, like, in different circumstances from you, and that was sort of the norm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, what else are you gonna do besides, like, dress up in your best and go watch ships? And pass out from your, uh, from your corset being too tight. Like, there was a limited amount of entertainment. Oh, what would I have done in the 1800s? I would have passed out from my corset being too tight. I think I would have been in Tombstone and would have been an actress and started like a whole gunfight. I think I probably would have cross-dressed as a dude and just moved on every 10 years. I also could dig that. Like, I think I just, 
I feel like I probably would have been like I just would have uh, who who was the mm-hmm. the woman Al- Albert Nobbs Alfred Nobbs she was like a, a woman who I who like dressed as a man and was a physician or something I'm probably conflating like three different stories but like I mean it's your life conflate the three stories sure okay <laughs> that's what I'm doing <laughs> I think that's I think I just would. I don't think I would have done very, I mean, first of all, as like a mixed race human being, I probably wouldn't have existed back then. But like, even if I had, I, yeah, I say that, but also like, I feel like there is a, there are a lot of things in, there are a lot of things in my ancestry, (laughs) which require more travel than was possible or than generally happened back in the day. And so like, I I don't know. This is the mid 1800s. We're traveling all over the world now. You just might not have been in America. You might have been. In- That's a good point. That's a very good point. Um, I might have been back. I might have been back in fucking Cuba where my family was to begin with. So like, yeah. Because I mean, Havana was popping. Yeah, Havana was popping. Um, so yes, that's one thing. And then also, you know, as my particular facial structure might not have flown well in various aspects of society. So like, I feel like my best bet probably would have been just to like dress up and peace out. I dig it. I would have been as wildly flamboyant as possible. I respect that. Which is what I do anyway. (laughs) Probably would have gotten myself killed or become a gunslinger. Are you a Gryffindor? Girl, nah. I mean, it sounds like you're a Gryffindor. It sounds like you're just gonna sort of run into shit and, like, let the chips fall where they may. Oh, no, 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 no. No, okay. no, no, no. I let people do that okay. for me. I am a Slytherin. We are house buddies. Woo-woo! <laughs> you know what? That's our next That's our next audio drama, is what we would have done in the 1800s. Me and you. <laughs> Question. <laughs> yeah. All right, go to. Next what, two. What, what next thing happens? <laughs> what next terrible thing happens? In 1923, all female prisoners had been removed and transferred to a new prison. Thank Neptune. Thank Neptune. But I have to mention Frida Frost. Obviously, female inmates were a part of ESP for almost 100 years, and Frida nice. Frost was the last of them. So she gets transferred to the Muncie Industrial Home for Women in 1923. Her departure marked the end of an era. And I feel like if you look at pictures of her, she looks like, don't fuck with me. And honestly, vibes. Okay? Yeah. Serious vibes. She had been serving a 20-year sentence for murder because she had poisoned her husband, allegedly. Couldn't find a motive. My thoughts were either abuse, cheating, or both, or she was framed. Yeah. But 20 years? Find the reverse somewhere, please. And uh, like, I was like, he had it coming. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> because like, if a man murdered his wife, he'd get like five and maybe a pat on the shoulder. I know. <sighs> I'm I just know. saying. Yeah. The following year, 1924, inmates are allowed to eat in a dining hall. Like, isn't that crazy? Okay, so were they in fucking solitary confinement until this moment? Until yes. the dining hall? Yes. Holy shit! (laughs) And it's the first time. And then they got tablecloths on Sundays and holidays, and they would do decoration for those holidays for a quote-unquote morale factor. 
I mean, legit, I don't have tablecloths on Sundays or holidays. I usually just put down a napkin. But, like, I I feel like uh, I don't... <sighs> if that's what you're doing for morale... Dude, but, like, I don't even know how they exist at the... Like, after being in solitary confinement for that fucking long, and granted, they are, like, three to a fucking uh, cell at this point. And but also, like, they're coming in and out. So, like, don't worry. They're not, like, the same prisoners from, like, a hundred No, years but, like, ago. you know that there are some people who were there for fucking years on end. Yes. And, like, then all of a sudden you get a fucking dining hall and there are other people there. I have enough trouble, like figuring out how to socialize in quarantine. Can you imagine if you were like, if yeah. you hadn't fucking spoken to anyone, if you've only spoken to like the same two people for fucking years? You've been playing cards sudden, with them. Oh my God. How do you adjust? You don't. And you make fucking crafts for Sundays. Are you kidding me? What? Okay. Sorry. No, I'm <laughs> like, with you. I love the fact that that's like where your mind went. Cause that's where my mind went. But we're going to take a slight detour real quick. Okay. Who would be the coolest criminal that could be held there in the 1920s? Oh, my God. Think about it. Who's the big bad of the 1920s? I mean, I want to say it's Al Capone. Yeah. But I. (laughs) Yes. Is it? Holy shit. Is it? I thought he was like in the 40s or 50s or something. Yeah, he's in the 20s, baby. We're in bootleg times. We're in the 1920s. Roaring 20s, bootlegs, what have you. So we're in a. So Al Capone is fucking there. Yeah, we were in a world war. Life was wild. And that's why Al Capone or long form Alphonse quote unquote Scarface Capone. Apparently, he did not like being called Scarface. If I had no idea that was even a thing. Yeah, it was totally a thing. If that was my nickname, though, I would use it all goddamn day. I do have multiple scars like on my face. And if I had gotten that nickname, I'd be amazing. But alas. Uh, do you want me to call you Scarface? That is a badass nickname. Yeah, but I mean, I'm generally referred to by my last name. That's true. Fury is kind of a fucking better nickname. Yeah. Also, I I have never noticed that you have scars on your face. Yeah, they're, so they, they were from I infancy. feel like, yeah, that's not a thing that I can, like, actually own because it'd just be like calling you, like, I don't know, Deborah. It's not your name. Like. <laughs> Deborah. <laughs> but Debbie. Pastels. But Debbie, on the other hand. Um, no, that's bananas. Okay, cool. Well, fucking A. How long was Al Capone in there for? Well, first off, he was in ESP for carrying a concealed deadly weapon. Because that's what they got him for. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he was there for about eight months. And let me tell you, his digs was nice. I'm he had sure. paintings, a polished secretary desk with, like, the flip down, a radio. <laughs> he had lamps and, I think, a rug. It was nice. Like, I had less <laughs> in my college dorm. I have for sure had, like, adult apartments with Les, but you know he was, like, hooking up the guards with some shit on the outside. Yeah, like, he was, like, mm, you that was corruption all the way over. You know, honestly, I would be disappointed if it wasn't, so. I mean, that's a good point. But. Legend's got a legend. Yeah, speaking of legends, you ready to get a legend, 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 legend? Oh, my God. Go for it. Okay, so Capone was 
kind of known for masterminding the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, right? Yes. Which killed seven men. One of those men was named Jimmy Clark. What a name. So Capone was often heard screaming in his cell, Jimmy, get out. Leave me alone. Right? No. Oh, totally. Oh, shit. So now that they're both ghosts, I wonder yes. if they made up. Oh, man. If you were a ghost, could you hunt a, uh, haunt a different ghost? Well, you would both be ghosts. Like, why would you? Yeah, I know. But, like, do ghosts, I don't know, do the same rules apply? Or are you just, like, stuck with each other in, like, this really toxic relationship for all eternity? That's kind of what I think. Because I think that would be huh. funnier. I mean, I guess that, yeah, it's just sort of like... And you know cosmic jokes are real. Yes, I do know this. But also, I think they probably have already hashed it out over a few Cuban cigars and are like, whatever, here we are. I mean, at some point, you do have to just let some shit go. Like, hey, you killed me, I'm dead, here we are, running the underworld. I mean, it's been seven... Then again, does time work in the same way in the spirit realm? Or is it just like, oh no, it's been, you know, a hundred years since uh, since I was killed, but it feels like it was five minutes ago, so fuck you forever. Because time means nothing. Well, yeah? to be fair, I haven't died yet, so if I do, I'll let you know. You are a constant disappointment. <laughs> That's what my mom says. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait till my brother hears this episode. Oh my god! <laughs> Robert's gonna be like, oh my god. <laughs> but, just so you know, Capone's cell is restored to what it was when he lived in it, and it's on the tour. Alright, well, that, alright. Head on over to the East Coast. You know, I think I won't, but... All right, can I ask a question that you might not have the answer to, but it makes a difference somehow? Can I make educated conjecture? Sure. Okay. Pennsylvania is a large state. Do you know what... Allegedly. Allegedly. Yes. Um, (laughs) What part of Pennsylvania... Because I feel like the western part of Pennsylvania is vastly different from the eastern part of Pennsylvania. Where in the state's geography does this live? This is in Philadelphia. Oh, mother. Okay, cool. Uh, That, let me revise my mental picture then. Got it. Terrific. That means I can fly in. Yeah, you totally could. (laughs) I I think at the time, like, the city hadn't butted up to it yet. I see. Like, when it was built, but now it's, like, overtaken. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Onward. So, 1933. In protest to the overcrowding... At I this point, they again. have... A, that's okay. You gotta lay off the sauce. <laughs> um, are, is it... Uh, this is where it was like, oh, it's like fucking 1,200 people at this point or something like that? 17. 1,700 people. Okay, got it. Give or take 500. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they protested the overcrowding and inmates set cell to, sets fire to their cells and destroyed the workshops in a riot. They had inf- insufficient recreational facilities and straight-up idleness. Men definitely died in this, but honestly, I'm sure they had absolutely lost their minds due to the yeah. substandard living conditions. Yeah. The next year, 1934, we have another riot over low wages. Inmates short-circuit electrical outlets start fires and other disturbances. Oh. 
But as you know, a strong show of force is what really settles these matters. And as far as I'm aware, there were deaths involved in there too. But when your outlook is this bleak, you might be all right with that. Yeah. So lots of death there. I'm not going to talk about anything haunting until later, but we're going to circle back on those. Okay. Okay. So 1945. You may not know this guy. I didn't know him, but now I think he's hilarious. And not in like that I'm making fun of him. I think he's a legend, but also like the type of legend that I think I would have ended up if I had gone evil. Okay. Er. (laughs) (laughs) So there's this guy, 1945. His name is Willie Sutton. He was an American bank robber, as opposed to not an American bank robber. Other countries can have bank robbers as well. Yeah, but why would we imprison them? (laughs) (laughs) We just promote them. (laughs) We do indeed. Sometimes we make them (laughs) present. Not anymore. Not not this year, Satan. Everything crossed. He had a 40-year robbery career. And he stole an estimated 2 million of those years dollars and eventually spent more than half of his adult life in prison but escaped three times wow so for his talent at executing robberies in disguises holy go on (laughs) go the fuck on he had two nicknames willie the actor and slick willie you know oh shit i actually do feel like i I was hoping it'd be free, Willie. <laughs> get the get out, get out. <laughs> you are no longer welcome here. I know. Just turn the podcast off, and I'm like, I'm Slick done. Like Willie, wow. Okay, okay. I I feel like I may have I may have known this story, but I also might have not. And just this is a false. Memory. Oh, it's totally fine. Keep going. So Sutton mm-hmm. is also known. As the namesake of the so-called Sutton's Law. But he denies that. So Sutton's Law states that when diagnosing... So it's used in a medical term Mm -hmm. in the medical field. When diagnosing, one should consider the obvious. It suggests that one should first conduct those tests which could confirm or rule out the most likely diagnosis. This law is named after the bank robber, obviously... Because he repeatedly replied to a reporter's inquiry as to why he robbed banks by saying, because that's where the money is. <laughs> so he later, den- he later denied saying this, but honestly, I'd have owned it and been like, yeah, that flatfoot reporter fucking said it. Wow. Obviously, I robbed the banks because that's where the money is. You know, I'm going to believe that he is the the name of that law i'm just gonna oh yeah he 100 percent is oh that's (laughs) that's brilliant i love it i love it i'm all in (laughs) we're gonna circle we're gonna circle back to him too but okay let's talk about (laughs) the escape attempts okay okay because i wanted to save these for like a bam 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 towards the end and because (laughs) willie's got a great story okay 1832. Remember, this bitch was built in 1829. 1832. First escape. Wow. An inmate who served as the warden's waiter lowers himself from the roof onto the front building. He's captured, 
but this inmate would actually escape in the same <sighs> manner in 1837. Oh, I'm just proud of him. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, yeah, man. I don't care. Like, you did it. Go for it. Okay, 19, okay. 1923. This one's amazing. In July 1923, inmate Leo Callahan and five accomplices armed with pistols. How did they get them? Successfully scale the east wall after holding up a group of unarmed guards. Perhaps they stole their pistols. I was thinking, I feel like that seems correlated. I feel like they might have done something for the guards to like. They might have relieved them of their pistols. It might have been a quid pro quo situation, though. I'm going to throw that down. I'm going to throw it down as a potential okay. theory. Where it's like, we'll we'll give you our guns, just please don't hurt us? That type of quid pro quo? Maybe. I don't know. Okay. It seems too hard to- I mean, cool. Which, uh, listen, I'm not going to fucking judge anyone in that situation. Yeah, so, I'm like, sure. hey, th- it gets better. Yeah. So. Okay. More than 100 inmates had escaped from Eastern State during its 142 years of its active use. And Callahan is the only one never to be recaptured. All of Callahan's accomplices were apprehended, including the one that made it as far as Honolulu, Hawaii. No. Yup. How? I have no idea. How? It's not like there was an internet back then or, like, credit cards that you could trace. I mean, I'm sure there were credit cards, but, like... But, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm What? If you have made it to the fucking Pacific Ocean in the middle of the Pacific Ocean... And it wasn't even a state at the time. Like, what? Dude, if you get recaptured at that point, that's on you. Yeah, that was like... on him. But, hey, Leo Callahan never found. Incredible. So which one... Uh, remind me... Remind me about Leo Callahan? There was nothing other than the fact that he was the only one never to be uh, recaptured. All right. So out of like hundreds of inmates. Do we know what his crime was? Did he like, did he kill his wife? Do I have to hate him for that? Or can I just keep on liking him? You can keep on liking him because I have no idea. But also I bet you he slapped the governor. Okay, great. We'll say that. Yep. Unless he did something heinous and I hope someone tweets me and tells me and then we can hate him. Yeah, okay. But for now, let's let's be okay with him. Let's be okay with it. Why not? All right. Uh, 1945. Okay. This one's right. my favorite. <laughs> okay. Twelve men escaped through a tunnel that emerged at Fairmont Avenue and 22nd Street. Prisoner plaster worker Clarence Klindinst, Klindinst? I don't know, designed and built most of the tunnel. They use spoons and flattened no, cans. You can't be fucking serious. They use spoons. Oh, yeah. And flattened cans. And they dug a 31-inch hole into the wall of cell 38, getting eventually getting 12 feet underground. At the time of the escape, Kleindienst had only two years left of it to serve, but most of the men were, are caught within minutes. No. Klein- oh, Yes. Kleindienst is out for two hours and 10 years is added to his sentence for prison break. Prison break? Prison break. I think I said break. That's fine. They they built it with spoons. With spoons and flattened cans. Like Coke cans. 
Oh my god. So bank robber Willie Sutton takes credit for planning the tunnel. So upon recapture, they were moved to cell block 13, which was built beneath cell block 14 and known as the hole. It was four solitary cells that were four by eight feet, and an inmate could be locked in there for over a month. What the fuck? I've seen it. It's terrifying. Oh, my God. I don't think I actually can stand up straight in it. And I'm tiny. Yeah, you are, you are like a, my size, but like you might be tinier than I am. I'm pocket sized. You are, you are travel sized, friend. You mm-hmm. are built to move. When I was a, when I was in, I think middle school or high school, I used to be able to fit in my saxophone case. Dude. Dude. <laughs> I do pathetic. If you do nothing else this quarantine. <laughs> I want you to get back in that saxophone case and figure out some cheap travel for yourself. (laughs) I think that's at my parents' house, though, so I don't know if I could. (laughs) But I would be like, "Woo!" no, I would die of claustrophobia in there. I mean, look, you can drug yourself for a couple of hours. Like, come on, make this work. That would be such a cool party trick. But think about it. Death. Ah. Look, I'm scared of literally everything because I've been obsessed with true crime my whole life. Mm. And Robert Stack, Robert Stack's not here to save me. I tried to seance him back. It didn't work. I mean, he does run 24-7 on the Pluto TV Unsolved Mysteries channel. So if you wanted to, you didn't even, you don't even need to seance him. You could, you could just get a Roku. I could just, you know, well, I have a Roku and I have them on demand. <laughs> yes! I can't wait to do my Robert Stack photo shoot for season two of this podcast. Oh, is there going to be a trench coat there has to be? I have one! Yes! Do you have a fog machine? Not yet. Make that shit happen, Fury. Like I was just going to superimpose myself on top of him. And miss having a fog machine? No, you're That's obligated fair. now. That's fair. Okay. We're going to get a fog machine. So everyone who uh, has not donated to the Patreon, none of the (laughs) Patreon money will go to the fog machine. But please donate to the Patreon to help keep the podcast alive. There's my bit. There Uh, it is. Back to the hole. Sorry. Oh, no. We're done with the hole because now we're going to, and I have a, uh, a phrase called haunted or naunted. Hmm. Okay, let's decide. And this is the known haunty part. Okay. Also, Nate hates the word haunted or naunted, but I'm into it. I'm, I, Nate, <laughs> Nate has no say in this right now. It's just you and me. Yeah. No, yeah. we're keeping it. I'm making stickers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the 19, or 1993, wow, what year are we in? Uh, the 1933 riot with the fire setting and all that. There is known paranormal, known, 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 not no, known paranormal activity in cell block 12. You can hear voices and cackling. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Correct. Correct. Just like that. (laughs) Male cackles are very different. Um, Male cackles are entirely less fun. Yeah, they're kind of worse. Yeah. Uh, Doors open by themselves, but when no one's looking such a bad thing for a prison that i mean like yeah because you just go you hear and you're like 
Excuse me. My personal favorite is that a figure was spotted, in quotes, on ghost hunters running along the catwalk. Well, shit. And in my opinion, that makes a lot of sense. There was a lot of rage. Many inmates. Yeah. Had a lot of built up just anger. And to risk a riot like that, especially when there is a strong chance of death. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff there. Let's. hmm. There is also the death ledger that I mentioned before. And there is over 1,000 entries in it. Many were due to sickness, such as tuberculosis or influenza. But there are many listed as suicide or murder. And obviously, do we have coroner's reports? No. So we rely on the unreliable sources giving us this data for 141 years worth of its operating time. I don't even believe they listed everybody. One such murder occurred in cell block 8, cell 49, and it was between Joseph Havel and George Kopp. They were cellmates at the time. In this tiny room, Havel stabbed Kopp to death with scissors. This is a known area of paranormal activity as well. Wild! Dude, the amount of, like, rage. Oh god, I know. I Like, I can't imagine fucking walking into that place. Like, it must hit you like a fucking wall. I'm thinking like a train. Just keep going. I A train is a much better metaphor. <laughs> a train is a much I think they're different, metaphor. though, because, like, a wall, it, like, hits you and then you stop, right? But a train, it goes through you. And then, like, you just keep feeling and feeling different waves. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's real. So, another very active area. Cell block 15, or the maximum security area. And I can only imagine what they did to the people in here. There's whisperings I, uh... and another shadowy figure running. And that's been reported, but also just general senses of discomfort and nausea also. And we can only imagine the unreported abuse that happened between the guards and inmates here. Of course. But remember, they're only criminals, right? The guards who allowed... They deserve this! Yeah! (laughs) Oh my god. The guards who allowed or carried out this torture are the criminals. Just because you're in a position of authority does not give you the right to harm someone no matter what the cause and like i have joked about jailhouse justice regarding child offenders rapists and murderers but ethically Mm -hmm. if you were taking advantage of a human being who is in a condition to not fight back not defend themselves you just became an offender yeah a hundred percent 1958 philadelphia certifies esp as historical property what a choice And in 1961, the cell blocks are desegregated, but inmate John Klausenberg tricked a guard into opening the cell of another inmate. And I want to know how he did that, because that's that's impressive. But with the cells open, the inmates overpowered the guard and began the largest riot in the prison's history. Several hours later, a large police force... Guards and state troopers reclaimed the prison. The riot fuels discussions to close Eastern State. In 65, the federal government designated ESP as a national historic landmark. But, like, why? And in why? January of 1970, ESP finally closes. 
most of the inmates at the time were sent to a prison called Greater Ford. Um, it's a place I don't know, didn't care, and I was really tired of researching really sad places at this point. Um, <laughs> oh, is this is this not super fun to read about oh, for no. hours on end? Oh no, it wasn't. Jeez. Uh, but get this, while the walls and paint are in perfect condition, ESP's electrical and mechanical systems are in terrible shape. Huh. So, let's get started on ESP now. 1991, with generous funding from the Pew Charitable Trust. Pew as in P-E-W. Stabilization and preservation efforts begin. They had a Halloween f- fundraiser, that, which takes place on Halloween, as mm-hmm. it would do. Halloween fundraisers tend to do, yeah. Yeah, often. Um, to yeah. raise money to create a daytime tour program. A few hundred people attend that first year, and since then, a Halloween fundraiser has been held at the penitentiary each fall, and the attendance increased each subsequent year. Today... Terror Behind the Walls is one of the largest and most successful haunted attractions in the country. Oh, wait, sorry, county. What the fuck? Like, what the fuck? Where does the money go? I assume that it's going to, like, redoing this building because it was falling apart. That... That feels even ickier. <laughs> like, if they were, like, I, it feels fucking weird and wrong yes, to, yes. like, have a fucking gala in this prison. Oh, no. It's I like could a, maybe. It's like a maze type thing. A ma- Like, it's like a, like an experiential thing? Yep. Okay. It's, regardless. It's horrible. I feel like. I can, I, I maybe could have made my peace with it if the money were going to, like, hey, this is the going to the public school system so that, like, we can help break the cycle or break the pipeline or any, like, but it's, it's going to refurbishing this horrible place. Oh, in 1994, they open for historic tours on a daily basis. But you have to wear a hard hat and sign a liability waiver. Guess how many visitor att- visitors attended in the first year? Oh God, this is gonna. This is just how many? Ten thousand. How many? Oh my God. Okay. So by two thousand three, um, the tenth season of public tours was marked with an introduction: "Voices of Eastern State." The audio tour was narrated by Steve Buscemi, who shot part of a film there. So I think that's kind of how he got to do that. Um, what? Wait, was it Con Air? Con Air? <laughs> did did they I did they fucking do Con Air for for? Did they use ESP for Con Air? Wait, what? What's the date on that? Wait, I can actually tell you what films were shot there, but hold on, because. <laughs> I didn't write it down. But several dramatic new vistas in the prison's cathedral like cell blocks open. What's the fuck? What the fuck, right? Um This is so weird and wrong. It is weird. This feels really weird. 
And after extensive stabilization, no visitors don't have to wear the head, the hard hats anymore. Isn't that wild? Oh, that's so great. Oh my god. That's so great. Um, and in 2003, wait, no, that was, as of 2017, Eastern State Penitentiary Historic Site adopts a new mission statement with a focus on interpreting criminal justice reform. I tried to read the document. It was all purple prose and I couldn't do it. Oh my God. Yeah, that's unsurprising. <laughs> um, the movie that Steve Buscemi did was uh, Animal Factory. Oh, okay. But Terry Gillum used uh, Eastern State and 12 Monkeys, which is a great film. Please watch it. It's a great it. fucking film. Yeah. Return to Paradise, the 1998 film, used it as a substitute for a prison in Malaysia. Oh. Oh, and it's in Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Oh, man. I have a conclusion for you guys. Are you ready? Buckle in. All right. Because it's a good one, she says, of her own writing. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. So, here we are, at the end of this prison's monumentally insane journey. Spanning over 190 years now, it's odd to say that this place is a piece of American history, and it started in apparently Benjamin Franklin's house. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it needs to be a historical monument, or that we have to keep it, or we have to do Halloween attractions in it. Where are the historical monuments of the Underground Railroad? The things for good. Where are those? But it's there. We can use it to talk about the justice system's reformation, because justice isn't for white people only, or really, isn't for rich people only, because that's the truth of the matter. There's a hierarchy to it all, and no matter what... We'll never play fair. Justice pretends to be blind. And it's time to make sure that we elect those who will push us forward to our goals. Election day is coming up. At the time of this recording, we have nine days left. Remember those local elections have so much power. And never forget to vote who is on your school board. Most of them are incumbents. And they're the bastards who quite possibly are letting your children down and even if you don't have children remember what it was like to be one and do you really want someone to go through what you went through if you felt let down and in my very strong opinion it's time to strike down no child left behind stop teaching to a test and teach well-rounded children prepared for adulthood understand taxes how to do basic things like health insurance and file a police report Schools should pop out functional adults, not depressed, drained teenagers who can hardly function. Eastern State Penitentiary's legacy is horrific. I do believe it's haunted, if not by the ghosts of former inmates who lost their lives, but by the ghosts of our past. I don't see how it's a fun thing to go and do, and it should be treated with a reverence and embarrassment that our country has participated in. And if you're thinking, well, my ancestors didn't do that, so it's not my fault, it doesn't work that way. When you become an American citizen, by birth, marriage, application, what have you, these issues become yours. These things, they become yours. You don't get to be an American and just take the good parts. You also shoulder the bad with every other American, regardless of your part. 
We have to stop looking at these things like they're not our fault because it's not a fault situation. It's part of our past as a nation, and we must learn from the past and the mistakes of old if we are to move forward in a way that benefits the growth of every individual. If you are a person who cannot see that, you have self-reflection to do. Many Americans do. Criminal justice is just one topic, and there are many on the docket that we have to do the hard, tough journey to make sure places like Eastern State Penitentiary don't happen again, and we don't treat it like an amusement park instead of the house of horrors it really is. I don't have a fun sign-off this time. I don't have anything for you. Because people are living and dying by these mistakes we as a country have not learned from. So this time, I have to leave you with the awkward silence. You have to go away and come back next week for another episode, but I will give you homework. Watch those pieces of media I mentioned and read about school-to-jail pipeline, recidivism, and see who is rallying for the rights of prisoners in America. Just like we came face-to-face with the monsters of 2020, it won't be over after the election. The fight will go on, and it won't be finished. And not until black Americans are safe in the streets and not until any person of color has the same rights as any white person when it comes to justice and freedom. Please continue to research this topic and tweet us with anything you have learned. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at TalkABTFacts or email us at LTATFpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. I'm Elizabeth Fury, and this was Rachel Hip Flores.